because immunonutrition is a concept. It's not a tool, it's not it's a concept. When we put together how the nutrition or components of the diet can better support an animal to cross a challenge. This challenge it could be a, a bacterial challenge, it could be a viral by a virus, uh, could be environmental uh, with high temperatures, it could be nutritional challenge. So everything that will demand the, the immune system to react and, and start a pro-inflammatory response and how we can support it to avoid to be prolonged and cost metabolic for, for the animal because the immune system has priority for everything. A whole new era of communication in the dairy industry is coming. Now you have the brightest minds of the global dairy industry right in your pocket. And what's best? You can listen to all of them while driving to a farm, traveling, or running errands. It's never been this good, and it's never been this simple. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Our Yeast 40, ruminal and intestinal double modulation by ICC Animal Nutrition. Ivonic Animal Nutrition. We are sciencing the global food challenge. DSM Ferminiche. Mycotoxins can threaten cattle performance. DSM Ferminiche offers a portfolio of solutions to help mitigate the impact of mycotoxins in your feed. Xzealot, a novel product for the management of hypocalcemia. It's uncomplicated excellence. Smaxtech. Get insights from inside your cows with Smaxtech for higher herd health and profitability. Welcome to the Dairy Podcast Show, a weekly podcast where you'll find cutting-edge insights and everything that's working in the global dairy industry. Our Yeast 40 is a natural biotechnology from ICC designed to boost the health and productivity of animals under challenging production systems. Our Yeast 40 performance is supported by an unique processing technology that results in a pure product containing high levels of beta-glucans, MOS, and yeast metabolites. These factors, combined, promote the ruminal and intestinal modulation, helping the animals to reach their full potential. All right, welcome everybody to this episode of the Dairy Podcast Show. I'm your host for today, Gail Carpenter. I'm the State Dairy Extension Specialist with Iowa State University. I'm joined today by our guest, Dr. Melina Bonato, who is the R&D Manager at ICC Brazil. Melina, you and I were talking beforehand. Um, normally what I do is I kind of stalk the LinkedIn profile of our guests beforehand and kind of come ready to talk about some of their background and and education and where they've been. And unfortunately, uh, I this is maybe a personal fault of mine. I don't speak any Portuguese and your LinkedIn profile is mostly in Portuguese. So I am excited to unpack and hear a little bit about you and where you've been and, and how you got where you are now. Perfect. Thank you very much. So why don't you go ahead and start talking to us a little bit about your education? Uh, it and, and I'm I'm going to just embarrass myself if I say the name of your university. <laughs> um, so I will let you kind of talk about uh, uh, where you started out, where you went to school, your education, what you studied, um, and how'd that bring you to ICC Brazil? So uh, I am an animal scientist, and I have a master and a PhD in animal production and nutrition. By that time, it was focused in poultry nutrition. And when I finished my, my PhD, I started to work for ICC Brazil 
that I continued. I completed 10 years this year you know, in the in the company. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you very much. And since the beginning, I was responsible for the R&D department. And this allows me, it was a challenge in the beginning, but this allowed me to have a view from different species. And uh, the company, as Cibers, you focus in the solutions into uh, gut health, animal health, animal nutrition, etc. So by the time I was able to, to have opportunities to study uh, these fields of application in, dif- in different species. In one of the species that I dedicate myself a lot, it was on the ruminant. So uh, this is how I come here today <laughs> to to have our discussion. But uh, this is this is pretty much about my background. And uh, over the time, I have this interaction with different uh, uh, researchers, specialists. Uh, producers in the ruminants area. So it allows me to, to learn a lot, but uh, I, I used to say that uh, I'm not a specialist in, in, a specialist in ruminants, but I dedicate myself to study a lot the uh, gut health, uh, immune system response, how to improve it and how it will impact uh, in, in, animal, in animal production and everything. Very cool. How did you, so I can't say the name of your university because um, my my mouth is very used to speaking English, not Portuguese. Would you like to tell our audience where you went to school and uh, talk a little bit about what you studied during your graduate program? Yes, for sure. Uh, I studied at the UNESP, that is a state university here in Brazil, in, in Sao Paulo state. It's very known. Uh, 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 this university, and uh, I conclude my graduation and also my master and PhD there. And just a comment that uh, during my PhD, I spent uh, some months, six months in South Africa, which has research uh, uh, there in University of KwaZulu Natal. That was, uh, uh, by the time I worked with uh, modeling to build models to predict uh, uh, um, amino acids requires requirements for, for poultry. This was my background. So what, uh, what brought you over to South Africa? What was, what was over there that, that, was, that piqued your interest and gave you that opportunity? Yeah, yeah. There is a researcher there. Uh, he's retired from the university, but he's still contributing a lot to this field. Uh, his name is Dr. Robert Gauss. And uh, he, uh, by the time he had a a partnership with my, uh, advisor here in Brazil, and they, they have like projects, projects together and everything, big, big projects to build this model, to predict uh, amino acid requirements. So I went there to work with my data with him. And I also, of course, I have opportunity to, to know a lot about the reality in, in South Africa and uh, exchange culturally uh, in terms of academic knowledge and everything. It was a very rich time in, in, my, in my life. I think you're uh, kind of unique here. I don't know a whole lot of people who go between poultry and ruminants. And I always 
tell my students, like, if you can do ruminants, you can do everything, right? Like ruminants are the most complicated. And I always, and as a non poultry nutritionist, you know, it's easy for me to say poultry's easy. Like those guys got it figured out. They have easy jobs. So is it, is that true? Or am I, am I doing my poultry colleagues a disservice by saying that? No, you are completely correct because uh, the ruminants are another universe, right? It's a unique universe. And then, but for me, uh, when we talk about gut health and we try to understand this interaction between the rumen, but also what happened after that in the hindgut. And uh, this told us lots of things that normally in the day by day we focus a lot in nutrition, in health of the rumen and everything. But uh, we, sometimes we forget that these nutrients, part, great part of this nutrients will be absorbed there. And we still have intestinal integrity if we don't keep uh, uh, controlling the challenges that will penalize the animal in terms of nutrients and energy, like to expand a lot with a pro-inflammatory response, etc. We, we need to put all of this together, you know. And when you talk about monogastrics, it's it's more easier uh, to understand this relationship, right? Because we don't have the room at before it, but uh, it's a little bit more complicated, but in the end, uh, uh, the response of immune system, uh, uh, all this uh, part of the, the hind gut is not so different, you know? So it's really interesting. So what did you take with you as you kind of expand into ruminants um, and learning more about that ruminant and, and how that interacts? What did you take with you? What lessons did you learn from the monogastric world that you think are really important for for ruminant nutritionists, ruminant nutritionists to understand what I what I, well I bring from my background in terms of nutrition for poultry is that uh, things are not uh, directly when we put it, when we set up nutrition for poultry versus ruminants because there is more factors that we needed to consider in order to establish this this these requirements right. Uh, also, uh, the individual response, uh, this weight of this individual response in terms of performance and everything is different in ruminants versus poultry. Because poultry, the effect of individual in, in the terms of population is really small. So included, we have guidelines to, 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 to have this poultry performance according to the strain that we are managing and everything. Everything we have is standards to follow, and we expect it to, to, to reach these, these standards, you know? And these ruminants we don't have because the individual, each one individuals can, of course, we, we know an average, but there is a large variation in terms of it. So when we consider all these factors, I think it, uh, 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 they impact more, and uh, beside that, the environment we don't have so much the control of the environment for ruminants. That this uh, is different when we talk about uh, uh, broilers, for example. You know uh, that we can control better the environment and everything. So uh, it, it's uh, it's more challenging. So we need to, to have this uh, overview about everything in this case of ruminants, yeah? 
One of the things you said when you were uh, talking beforehand about some of the topics that you'd be interested in discussing is you mentioned immunonutrition applied to ruminant production. So what are the some of the things, how are some of the ways that we think we can, that you think we can be uh, applying some of that nutrition immune interaction? How do you think that applies to ruminant production in, do you mostly work in dairy systems or are you working in beef systems as well? Both, both. Yes. Where do you think it plays a bigger role? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's easier for us to understand uh, this concept because immunonutrition, it's a concept. It's not a tool, it's not, it's a concept. When we put together how the nutrition or components of the diet can better support an animal to cross a challenge. This challenge, it could be a, a bacterial challenge, it could be a viral, uh, virus. Uh, could be environmental uh, with high temperatures. It could be nutritional challenge. So everything that will demand the, the immune system to react and, and start a pro-inflammatory response and how we can support it to avoid to be prolonged and cost metabolic for, for the animal because the immune system has priority for everything. So once some factor uh, start a reaction of the immune system, the mobilization of energy and nutrients goes for the immune system. It starts to go for growth, for example, for deposit protein in the muscles. This is the priority. So immune system, the brain, the heart, the liver, uh, some organs, they have a priority in this partnership of uh, uh, energy and nutrients. So this idea of this concept is really putting this together because uh, I will give you some, some examples from the humans. We know that there is some amino acids, but we, can, we know this in, in, in animal uh, in nutrition as well. We have some amino acids, for example, glutamic acid, that we don't have the need to, to, to supplement glutamic acid. It's not... Uh, a, a limited amino acid, right? An essential one. However, if we supplement uh, glutamic acid, if you, we are passing through some challenges that cause damage in the, in the intestinal tract, I mean, that can cause, it, for example, uh, in calves, and there is an area challenge that will cause damage in the gut epithelium, really will cause lesions that will lead to diarrhea, incidence, etc. Uh, these lesions in the gut, glutamic uh, acid can help, uh, can be utilized by the cells as a source of energy for proliferation, for renew. So in the end, this animal is saving a little bit energy and nutrients to make it, it more efficient, efficient, efficient in terms of multiplication. So this is just an example because we know there is several amino acids, there is several vitamins that can be related to it. So let's continue in this example of the of the cows in this cows of uh, Mary causing damage in the gut. Uh, with the time, what will gonna happen? We're gonna we're gonna start to have uh, oxidative uh, response in the cells. Because of the damage, this is a chronic problem. If it's not solved, and it will continue, continue. 
uh, diarrhea is just the final one, or could be even the death of the animal if we don't control it, right? But we know there is some vitamins and some minerals that will play a role in help oxidative stress, right? So, uh, uh, for example, selenium, zinc, uh, uh, and other, vitamin E, and others. So we know this, uh, that this happens. So this concept is just to put together this. If we, we know that this specific farm, the animals, they always have uh, diarrhea. And we could identify what it is the uh, agent that is causing this uh, diarrhea. Of course, we're going to have several management uh, 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 tasks to do. We know that. But we can also use the nutrition, uh, look into it. What kind of nutrients or components in the diet that we can use to support this animal to face it? We're not going to solve the problem, but for sure, we will avoid this animal to lose a lot in terms of weight and to have a prolonged diarrhea incidence and all of this that costs a lot for, for the animal. You know? this, is, this is the idea. So when you look at this concept, yeah, it comes from the human nutrition. And uh, by the time uh, I saw some... Uh, uh, researchers talking about a lot of it is starting in poultry in swine and now it now makes sense that we we need to start to discuss it in, in ruminants as well because it it, uh, it can be applied in the same way in the same way very cool do you see differences between how dairy cattle and beef cattle respond to some of this immune activation and what does that mean for ruminant production uh, we have uh, we have been uh, uh, conducted several trials, uh, and we started with beef uh, uh, with beef cattle in this investigation because uh, our knowledge it's a lot, not so much in terms of nutrition itself, but in these components that uh, I told you that we can utilize in the diet as a tool to help. In this in this situation of uh, a gut challenge, immune challenge, and everything, um, and one of these components that we can discuss is the beta glucans. Beta glucans it's a, a molecule that's very low in terms of immune modulation. What it this means? It means to put the immune system in alert mode in a way that one when a real challenge arrives, the immune system can react faster, stronger, and will decrease the time of the response because the time of the response that it costs a lot metabolically, right? Uh, 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 so when we have uh, uh, these components in the diet, I was about to mention this trial in beef cattle. Uh, this, this trial, it's already published. It was conducted in university here in Brazil. It's called Unicentro. It was in beef cattle doing the feedlot. And what happened when you have these animals? Of course, it would depend on the system, but with these animals in a certain farm, and after that, they will be transferred to the feedlot, for example. And uh, this uh, uh, change for the feedlot, this transportation, changes in the diet, changes in the environment, it's a stress. What we accept that is normal. It's normal to have mortality. It's normal to, to have morbidity. 
it's normal to, to have lots of costs in terms of veterinary treatments with these animals. And we have to adapt in, in these animals in terms of diet, right? For the feedlot. So you see, we are talking about nutritional challenges, and but we are also ta talking about environmental, social uh, challenges, stress, po points of stress for these animals. Uh, the immune system needs to react needs to be in alert mode. And uh, what we observed in this trial with the, uh, the beef in the feedlot, it was that we took blood sample over the 105 days that they stayed in the feedlot. And the first in 14 days, it was the most challenging one because due to the stress of adaptation. And when we, and when we have this beta-glucan supplementation, when we took the blood samples, we can clearly see that we have more, for example, more lymphocytes circulating the blood. And in the end, when you look to the response, this, the, in terms of uh, performance, they gain more weight in the spirit versus uh, the animals that they don't receive uh, the supplementation, right? And over the feedlot period, uh, also, uh, we have, it was a period of summer in Brazil, when it started the summer, when we have lots of rains. So in the day, we have high temperatures. When we have the rain in the end of the afternoon, there is an inverse in the temperature. So the temperature drops uh, very fast. So we can see lots of uh, 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 respiratory uh, uh, discharges and uh, nasal discharge, respiratory incidence problems. With these animals, and one of the response was also to decrease this respiratory incidence and the severity of these respiratory incidences problems in the feedlot. So when we look to the to the beef, we go more to this way. Of course, we're gonna look into performance if we don't have a good monitoring. Sometimes it's difficult even to to identify what it, what is happening to to think what we can do. But if you have a good monitoring, monitoring, we can think and use these tools, especially when there is this stress situation, you know, that uh, uh, will help the animal to overcome it without penalize too much the, the performance. The, this is the idea when we talk about uh, uh, beef cattle. And reduce the costs of, of veterinary costs. Uh, we have a trial that we conducted in, in Texas AM University that the idea was precisely this. Uh, the, the farm get the, the, the wafers, uh, the calves, after the weaning. And they travel from different states to Texas. And then this period of adaptation uh, uh, they say to us, with the, we have high mortality, morbidity, extra uh, costs with veterinary and everything. And in this trial, when we have the supplementation in this period of adaptation that was 28 days, something like this, uh, we observe less veterinary costs, less mortality. So in the end, uh, uh, the farmer will expend less without losing animals, uh, uh, veterinary costs and everything. In the end, this is the idea of this concept of nutrition, to, to have a tool that will help the animals to overcome the challenge, not avoid, not to solve 100%, but 
and and also impacting performance, growth, and everything. So that kind of ties into some, one of the other uh, topics that you in- you indicated you're interested in, which is this interaction between immunomodulation and acidosis. Can you talk a little bit about what the mode of action might be there? Yeah, this is pretty much related, Gail, you know, uh, with the solutions that we work with. What what is the idea? We uh, uh, they studies all of these. They were performed with uh, uh, yeast uh, yeast based feed additives. So when we think about yeast, we think about uh, we can look into nutritional into yeast. We can look into uh, uh, functionality of things. And uh, one of the components uh, directly linked with functionality is the beta glucans that I just mentioned for you. Uh, one of components related to functionality is the monoligosaccharides that will also uh, 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 play a role in the high gut, like by uh, agglutinating bacteria like E. coli, like salmonella, bacteria that possess fibra, they can be agglutinated by monoligosaccharides. So this will be important thinking in high challenges with this bacterial presence we can think in this by decreasing uh, 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 contamination in terms of uh, meat, in terms of milk, and everything else, right? Uh, but when we look into the rumen, we cannot forget that the rumen itself, when there is, for example, an acidosis problem, this will can be transformed into a metabolic problem and can be uh, 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 transformed into a pro-inflammatory problem activating the immune system. So I'll give an example. When we look into, we have a we have a study conducted at University of Florida, and uh, in this trial we have two levels of diets with uh, uh, starch levels: one high starch level, one uh, normal starch level. Let, let let's talk about it. And uh, what we look at when we look into this response, we know that over the time. This can cause acidosis because this drop in pH every time, few hours uh, after the, the the animal will eat uh, 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 this this feed. And what happened is that with with the time, one of the markers that we can look at is a, 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 a protein, a acute phase protein that's called aptoglobin. Aptoglobin is produced by the liver in cases of uh, 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 this uh, pro-inflammatory responses. And you see, in this case, it was it started in the rumen because of an acidosis problem. So when we think about it, it's important to understand that this was a nutritional uh, problem that caused all of it, but in the end, this also caused a, 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 a immune system to react, to cause a reaction to the immune system. So again, this will take energy and nutrients with this pro-inflammatory response that every single day is happening for a long period. It's a chronic problem, right? It's costing a little bit in terms of uh, metabolic uh, uh, nutrients for them. So when we talk about it, uh, control acidosis, it's one of the points that will help a lot in terms of this cost and to, to stimulate uh, the, uh, the immune system you know, and to make the immune system to react. And uh, and beside of this, when, when we look into these uh, components of the yeast that we call this metabolic, uh, metabolites of the yeast, 
it, which means the content of the cytoplasm. So, the, which is very rich in amino acids, uh, vitamin B complex, uh, etc. It's more essential protein than uh, than energy, right? And uh, these uh, uh, all these components, what we are seeing that they can support the human microbiota in a positive way. That uh, after this challenge uh, with the drop the pH. It's not that this, this component that will support the microbiota will avoid the drop of the pH, but this pH come back earlier. One of our hypotheses is that with this, uh, 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 to feed uh, this, this, this population, the idea is to help the population that will utilize and will remove the lactase from the rumen and then allows to this pH to come back earlier to the normal and then have the room for the, uh, uh, the bacteria that would degradate fiber uh, to work. So uh, it's very, uh, we have uh, not just our trial, but in the literature, it's very common to see that the yeast, the yeast based feed additives, they support uh, uh, and uh, this, this microbiota that would degradate fiber in one of the the result is to increase the MDF adjustability, uh, uh, and uh, this is one of the points. So our our uh, idea when you talk about this relationship, besides talk about it, it's what is the result of it. Of course, this will impact in milk production and or if you are talking about beef in bad weight etc. But it's avoided that this, uh, this drop in pH stay too, too longer above uh, 5.8, 5.6, that will avoid the bacteria that will degradate the fiber to work and have uh, uh, the, the, the product that is result of this, of this fermentation, right? So that it is what will like fatty acids and etc. So uh, when we put these two ideas together, th this is this is the main idea. Gail is really to uh, understand that in the end, this can cause also pro-inflammatory inflammation, and this will also cost for the immune system. So we talk about beef cattle mostly when we talk about acidosis, but you know you you deal with both ruminants, right? Um, and so dairy cattle might not experience acidosis, like clinical acidosis, the same way beef cattle do, but, but certainly subacute ruminal acidosis or SARA can be an issue with dairy cattle. Do, do, these same, uh, do these same concepts apply when we're talking about dairy cattle? Absolutely. Absolutely. This trial uh, uh, from University of Florida to us with the uh, uh, dairy, the dairy cows, and uh, what we found in, in the end is that even with this, uh, the, the level of starch in the diet, it was uh, 23% versus 28% of starch. And uh, it's not so high when we compare, as you said, uh, with beef diets that sometimes we have an even higher concentration of starch, starch causing uh, 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 acute uh, problems of uh, acidosis, right? But... Uh, and in this case of this dairy cow scale, uh, we took blood samples as well, and we observed we we 
We did not look into the immunity system specifically because it was not the objective of the trial, but we look into the rumen parameters. And also we look into aptoglobin, as I told you, that is a very interesting marker of the immune responses. And uh, it was clearly uh, uh, increased the, the level of aptoglobin in the blood of the dairy cows that they received this higher level of starch. Even that, when you look into the pH in the rumen, even that we don't have a drop less than 5.6, you know, 5.4, it, no, it was not a drastic decrease. But it's exactly the situation that you are mentioned. And uh, clearly, there is less aptoglobin presence when we're thinking in this way to, to modulate the, the rumen microbiota, to have this approach to avoid these uh, uh, high drops in for a longer period. Well, we've been chatting for a while now, about half an hour. So I really appreciate the insights that you've been sharing uh, regarding this this nutrition, immune system, health interaction. I think there's still a lot we have to learn in this area. Um, but it was really great and interesting to hear your, your, your insights as well as some of your research experiences with that. It's time for our famous three. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Fibro Animal Health Corporation. Healthy animals, healthy food, healthy world. Adiseo USA, producers of Smartamime M and MilkPay.com. Bergen Schmidt, your partner for improving animal performance. Diamond V, because animal health deserves a healthier approach. AB Vista, feed intelligence and targeted ingredients to optimize rumen function. Typical fresh cow incidence of clinical hypocalcemia is 3 to 6% while subclinical hypocalcemia affects 50% or more mature cows. Based on cutting-edge research, Exelete offers a new approach that is build-effective and the ZDUs. For more information, visit www.protecta.com. When it comes to raising healthy animals, you need more than the right solutions. You need the right partner who brings decades of industry expertise and a global team to put that knowledge to work for the advancement of your operation. At Fibro Animal Health Corporation, we are proud to work with you as your trusted partner. I want to end today. You know, we ask all of our guests three questions. So I want to end with our three questions that we ask every guest. Uh, our first one, I think, as you know, is what is your favorite dairy related book or resource? And again, I know you do all species, so uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be dairy. I'm not going to make you pick a favorite, but so we'll keep it agricultural or animal nutrition. Uh, what's your favorite book or resource related to uh, your area of study? Yeah, nowadays, girls, I'm, I'm very interested in, in learning more about the immune system. And uh, this is something because I'm an animal scientist, I'm not veterinary. So my background in terms of immune, uh, or, or to understand the immune system, the response, the development and everything was really poor in, in, in my background. So uh, I'm really interested to understand more of this because uh, I really think that uh, we need to look into nutrition and also to understand how this there is this interaction and the utilization of nutrients for the metabolism to support the immune system. So I think if we can 
really have this interaction between veterinaries and nutritionists, I think all of us will gain a lot in, in animal production, you know? Do you have a resource on the immune system that you can recommend? Is there is there a place you go to get information when you're learning more about immune system function? Um, there is no specific uh, conferences mm-hmm. of the to, to talk about uh, immune system, and uh, I even try to follow someone in humans because okay. sometimes they bring uh, you know population studies that right. they are more robust sometimes to, to understand. So I try to follow these things. I, I can sometimes participate it, uh, in person, but I try to follow this uh, both for human and for specifically for, for animals' uh, production uh, responses, you know, in terms. But it's also always related to, to it that it, I try to learn a little bit more. So what is your favorite book or resource that's not related to animal nutrition? I like it a lot uh, to read about history. Oh. Uh, not just from Brazil, but the, the world, uh, ancient history. I'm uh, nowadays uh, back to read some, some book about the, the, uh, the old uh, uh, civilization of Egypt. Oh. I, sometimes I come back in this in these topics i like very much very cool have you ever traveled to egypt not yet but this is this is i must do for me <laughs> bucket list item <laughs> yeah 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 all right so our last question that we ask every guest is what is one thing that you think sets successful dairy professionals apart from those who are not successful i think uh, one of the things that uh, it's to be honest and to be you know, in a way that you always will learn, continues to learn. I think uh, even that you go to a farm and you will learn with the employee that is there every single day with the animals. And, uh, and you also can learn with a super researcher that knows a lot about one specific thing. I think uh, uh, we need to continue to learn. That's the point to 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 be humble to to know to assume that we don't know everything, and uh, we we have a room to continue to learn. That's great advice, Melina. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Is there uh, is there a place that people can go to find out more about what you're working on? Um, anywhere that they can connect with your research and and see what you guys are are learning? Uh, we we try to 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 uh, put it. Lots of this topic is in LinkedIn. I will put my LinkedIn on in English because for sure now, I think it's better <laughs> to have access for everybody from everywhere. <laughs> well, I love, I'm, I don't want to take anything away from Portuguese speakers either. So <laughs> no, but it definitely will reach more, more, more persons in terms of uh, disclosed information, right? Uh, there, we usually, well, I person and, and the company as well, uh, when we have a new uh, uh, study published, we, we try to, to, to share with everybody, uh, explain a little bit what it was about these, the main goals and main findings, uh, and uh, try to, to transform the scientific language in a more technical language so everybody can have access to it. So uh, I think LinkedIn is the best tool to, to, to do it. 
Very good. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. It was great to hear more about what you're working on and uh, get some insights from you on, on your field of study. So welcome to the field of ruminant nutrition. I think we're more fun than poultry, personally. But again, I am biased. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much.